Well, kids, we're back. It's me, Megan, here once again for episode three. I put out a very short, I don't want to call it an episode, I put out a very short um, segment, if you will, um, a few days ago that just talks about my understanding that my situation wasn't nearly as bad as other people's because that was just really sitting on my heart Um, because I didn't want people to think that I was thinking that what I went through was the worst. So um, that was very short. It's like four minutes. So I'm calling this episode three and trying to navigate this has been interesting because as I've said before, I wanted to make it, um, this is for me right? And so I would love to not tell it consecutively, not talk about what happened to me consecutively, but I think someday it would be really cool to look back on this. And if I ever have a baby to be able to show that child someday, or who knows, maybe this will take off. I doubt it because there's like 8 million and one podcasts in the world. So I doubt that this will ever take off. But if it does, I think that it needs to be a little bit more um, consecutive. So that being said, here on episode three, I'm going to start from the very beginning. Let me just take a sip of wine because I'm overwhelmed. I don't make that much noise when I drink normally. I just had to do it for effect. So here here it is. My relationship and the way that it started was not your average way. I wasn't wooed beautifully. I was hunted. And I say that very specifically because that's really what it was. And I can say that because he was nearly 15 years older than I was. And now at 28, If the man is 43, I'd be like, okay, whatever, not that big of a deal. You know, there's always that, like, age is just a number thing. And my best friend's husband is 10 years older. And um, another one of my good friends, her dad remarried someone who's 15 years younger. And they're still very happy. And um, I know that sometimes it can work. And it's not just about the age. And we'll get into that. But that's, that's part one. I was 20 years old, 20, when he began his hunt. And it was slow at first. It was, it was slow and it was manipulative and dirty, but I was 20 years old and he was 34. And yes, I'm an adult and it's legal, but that feels very young 20 now that I'm almost 29 and I've been through a shit ton of life 
And, you know, in those almost nine years, I've really lived. And I look at, you know, you don't really leave your, you know, in most standard families, you don't leave your family until you're 18, right? And so it's when you become 18 that you start, like, figuring out who you are as a person and things like that. And um, he found me when I was 20. Um, him and I crossed, crossed paths because we worked for the same company. When I was 19 years old in 2011, I was working for a hotel and that hotel was, um, right across from one of the main malls and that main mall was opening up a new luxury handbag store And two women were um, staying at my hotel to, you know, during the construction process to oversee the store opening and also interview all of the employees. And I, um, I was working the front desk at the hotel and um, this woman who was one of the um, recruiters just said, you know, after talking to her for a while, you know, she was asking some odd questions, like, not odd, but just like, what are you going to school for? Oh, like, how many hours a week do you work here? And things like that. And so she ended it by saying, I think that you have some really good um, qualities that we look for, and I would like you to interview for this position. And I was just serving her a cup of coffee. I was making her a cup of, a cup of coffee. And that cup of coffee, that one freaking cup of coffee changed my life forever and I wasn't really sure if I was gonna take it I was very happy at the hotel um but I was honored that they you know she saw something in me and um I was I was dating a man at the time who encouraged me to at least just have a conversation because you know I I as a respect thing you know they had um extended the invitation to interview without even looking at an application or a resume or anything like that and so I decided to do it and they offered me the job and it was 75 cents more than I was making at the hotel so you know that was big money when you're 19 years old right so I take the job and I'm working part-time there and part-time at the hotel and I can still see it the very first time I laid eyes on him, I can still see it. Um, when we were when we were opening the store, the we were with the main store manager, and then who was part of my hiring process, and then the other three managers, including Riley, were up doing training um, in Denver. So we weren't with them. They were not with us for the opening of this. Well, let me for the unpackaging of the store putting together the store and things like that. When I entered the store, it was nothing but four walls. So we had to set it up, you know, as a store. And the three other managers were in Denver getting their training. And I would say maybe about day five, day six of the unpackaging of all of everything that needed to go in the store, the three other managers um, were introduced. And I knew that one of them was a man, but I also knew that he was married. And at the time I'm 19 and I'm dating someone else and um you know it is what it is but we we were 
we were all, all of the associates, you know, all of the part-time sales staff, we were sitting on the floor unpackaging and repackaging handbags. When the handbags got shipped to us from the warehouse, there was like a piece of uh, saran wrap almost, I can't think of the word, around each part of the leather. So around the, just everything, the bag was wrapped as if it was a rare piece of gold. And we were we were to remove them from all of their packaging and then just put you know take everything off all of the tape all of the wrapping and then just put it back into the bag to get it ready to sell um and this was a grueling process i mean taking apart those bags took forever and so there's probably 12 of us sitting on the floor of this store um it's still closed at the time and um the general manager says oh the new uh, or the other managers are almost here. They're coming in. And they walked in and it was two women and a man, Riley. <laughs> and they walked in and I should have known right at that point that he was a pompous asshole because he walked in and just started like, there was just no respect for like all of the bags that were laid out on the floor and all of the work that we had done to unwrap them and get them ready to be sold and he just started stepping on everything and just like walked in and was like the women were like hello hello you know saying their greeting and Riley just traipsed his way over everyone just to it doesn't sound like that big of a deal but I can see it in my head and I remember looking up and being like oh he's not attractive that sucks just because I was in a relationship and he was married but like you know it's nice to look at fine art right it was not fine art. Um, so, you know, that's that. Then um, m- months go by, months without anything. And all he is is, you know, a part of the management team and doesn't doesn't really mean anything. Um, nothing, nothing significant happens. That was in May of 2011 and I remember the first really monumentous moment where I was like hmm this is this is interesting it was on my 20th birthday I was in Florida with my boyfriend and I woke up um and you know like on your birthday you wake up in the morning and if you sleep in you're like so excited because you look at all of the text messages and people writing on your Facebook. That was before Instagram. So I just aged myself. Um, So, you know, it's like you get so excited, right? And the message, the very first message that I had was from him. And it was sent at like an absurd time in the morning, like 3 a.m. or something like that. And it just said, happy birthday, smiley face. And at this time, we had been working together for what, like eight, seven, eight months. And there was no real friendship or anything like that. I was just one of his employees and really no time like spent together. But that was kind of like the start of the downfall. And I remember, you know, at this point I had been with my boyfriend for a year, a little over a year and a half, and we were not doing well. And I remember like feeling this kind of like excitement, like, oh, this like 
older man remembered that it was my birthday at like all hours of the night because it wasn't like he texted me at like oh like 9 a.m on my birthday it was like three in the morning or something like that which was I was in Florida so it was like one o'clock in the morning his time and I was like oh like that's exciting you know whatever but like I'm not a home wrecker he was married I was dating a good I was dating a good man it, it didn't work out between us but he's a good man and that's that's kind of what started it and then somewhere between that for just over the next couple of months it it just so happened that him and I would work together very often alone because I was a college student I would work a lot from um, in the evening so I would work the closing shift a lot as would he and who made the schedule at the time? I don't remember. He was the second in command, I guess. So there was a store manager and then the associate manager, which was him, and then the two the two assistant managers. So I don't remember if he was making the schedule or if the store manager was making the schedule. But I found us working together a lot. And when you start to work together especially when there's not a lot of other people around, you know, the mall isn't very busy from 5 to 9 p.m. You start to, you start to talk, you know, you start to learn things about each other. And we became very good friends. And at the time, I was trying to salvage this relationship. The relationship that I was in, um, let's call him Chase. That's not his name, but I said I would keep identities private. My relationship with Chase was the second man that I was in love with, but the first I was 17 and, uh, you know, baby and whatever. And I lived with Chase, and it was a very serious relationship. Um, But Chase had an issue um, sexually that um, caused me a lot of self-esteem issues. That's all I'm going to say about it. But on a particular night, something, something happened between me and Chase, and I was rejected, sexually rejected in a very real way. I wanted to do something nice for Chase, and I made his favorite meal. I went out and I bought some lingerie, and when he got home... I had put candles, This we were living together, I had put candles all around the house, I was in the lingerie, and I was holding his favorite meal in my hand, and there was music playing, okay, romantic as fuck, right, and Chase ate the food and didn't touch me, literally did not touch me, and this was after probably a year of him sexually rejecting me time and time again so it was it was a very difficult moment in my life when he did that I was mortified I was so mortified and for those of you that you know could be listening you're like well maybe he was tired you know after a long day sure but you know I offered to you know do something that he didn't have to do much work (laughs) he didn't want that either and I was so destroyed it was like the first big thing I did for a man and he just destroyed me just wanted nothing to do with me and it was so humiliating and I went into work the next day and I was just still so upset and 
I don't remember sharing it with any of my friends the next day as to what I didn't want to tell anyone. It was so embarrassing. So I go into work and my eyes were puffy. I had been crying. I think partially because I was humiliated and partially because I realized that this person who I loved, Chase, I couldn't be with for a long time because we were not having sex. I was 20 years old. This man was 24 years old. We were stupid in love and we were not having sex because of his issue. And it sucked. Like when you're 20 years old, you have such a high libido and it, you know, I was out of the house and I was in college and I, I felt rejected. So I had been crying. I go into work that night and Riley's, you know, you don't seem okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Finally, I just end up <laughs> spitting it all out, just telling him everything that, you know, happened. And he's like, wow, I just, I can't, I can't believe that. And obviously like, that's inappropriate, even if it was, if, even if I was telling a female manager what happened, obviously that's inappropriate for the workplace, you know, but it just, it's so hap it just happened. And he was, he was, he just was like, I mean, just so sh like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. That, you know, that's awful and blah, blah, blah. And then he asked me the question <laughs> that many after that have asked me and anytime I talk about my relationship with Chase people still ask me and it will haunt me until the day I die he said Riley said to me do you think that he's gay and Chase is married now to a woman when he has babies um but I I started to cry again because it had already been in my head and when you're thinking when you have a thought in your head that you don't want to have and then someone asks it, it's like, oh, holy shit, I'm not the only person who like thinks this. And Riley had just heard one story and it was, you know, it was, it was heavy. Okay. I go home. I wake up the next morning to go to class and I have a text message from Riley and it says the following. Your boyfriend may be gay but I had a really great sex dream about you last night. Oh, 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 <laughs> okay. I, this man is this, neither of us are available. And, but that was the, that was the beginning of the pursuit. That was the beginning of the hunt. And then it, you know, more conversations were had and there were never any lines crossed, but you, he made me feel valid. And so the months passed and there were never, there was, I, I neither of us were ever unfaithful. Well, at least he, at least I know he wasn't unfaithful with me, but that, that seed had been planted and he made me feel seen in a place that I wasn't, I hadn't been seen for so long. And then we just developed this bond and he was having problems in his marriage 
and would t he would come in and tell me, you know, about the issues in his marriage and I would tell him the issues with Chase. And when you put two people together and they both are having bad relationships and they talk to each other about those bad relationships, a bond is automatically going to connect. It's called a trauma bond and it's a very, very difficult bond to break. It's a very difficult bond to break. And aside from Chase and what I was going through with that, and aside from just the fact that I was young and growing and becoming a woman, and he was already a man. He was a married man with a house and with kids and a career, and I was a girl. It's almost predatory. And it wasn't. Our entire relationship was consensual. I would like to make that very clear. At no point was it not consensual. But if you're a 34, 35-year-old man and you're going after a 20-year-old girl who you know is having problems in her life because it wasn't just about Chase and it wasn't just about the fact that I was just a young woman who of course is going to appreciate attention. I was also having horrible, horrible family issues that Riley knew about. Very, very bad relationship with my dad. Oh my God, daddy issues. Yeah, okay. We can get to that another day. It was a hunt. It was, he preyed on me. And it was like, he swept me up. And it was like, so very intentional whether he it was like whether he knew that it was intentional or not I mean he got into my head and he told me all of these really great things about me and how Chase was crazy and one day I came in and I had colored my hair red um, like a deep burgundy red and he oh my god your hair looks amazing and he just validated me in a way that Chase wasn't validating me and my dad had just dipped the fuck out. I mean, it had been four years at that point, but it was still fucking awful. My dad had dipped out of being my dad and went and got married and found a new family that he wanted to be with more than he wanted to be with myself and my sister. And I was so fucking broken. I had been rejected by my father. I had been dumped by my first love. And now I'm in this relationship where I'm stupidly, blissfully, madly in love with a man who doesn't seem physically attracted to me. And Riley knew all of it. He knew all of it because I trusted him. He made me believe that he was my friend and made me believe that he cared and he wanted to help me out with my problems. And he preyed on me. So yes, it was consensual when, when the time passed and I had broken, I had left my relationship because I just couldn't do it anymore. And then he separated from his marriage and we started dating. It was already all too fucking late. It was already too late because it started with that first text of happy birthday sent at three in the morning and we were not Facebook friends. So it wasn't like a Facebook reminder. This man genuinely remembered it was my birthday. And then it was a, I had a sex dream about you and you guys chase wouldn't touch me. He wouldn't touch me or if he tried, it didn't work. And, and if anyone out there is listening, 
that's mortifying. It makes you feel disgusting. And so all of a sudden I'm being seen. It was consensual, but it was predatory. I was so young. I was so very young. And, and because of that, it was too late. I never stood a chance. I never stood a chance with this man. Our first date, he took me to one of the most expensive restaurants in Albuquerque. And at this point, I had turned 21. And I have always had a taste for wine. That's, that's likely because um, I, my, as I was emerging into that age, you know, 19, 20, 21, um, I spent a lot of time with my stepmother, who is a, a wine drinker. But my palate just is generally drawn to more bitter tastes. I'm not like a fruity person. I have more, I'm more savory rather than sweet. I'm more salt versus sugar. I, you know, anyway, so we go to this restaurant and he picks me up. I'm in a dress. I mean, this is Albuquerque for God's sake, but you know, he picks me up and he took me on the real first date that I had been on. I mean, at this point I had been in two serious relationships prior, but I was you know, 16, 16 or 17, 16 or 17 in the first one. I mean, you don't go on dates then, right? And the second one, we were in a friend group before we started dating. So I was never really dated, you know, no one ever really took me out. And I think I got off the point, but he, he took me to this really nice restaurant and ordered me a hundred dollar bottle of wine. I am newly 21 at this point, right? Like, I mean, yes, I had had some of my, like, you know, at holidays and birthdays and things like that, some of my stepmom's wine and she drinks very good wine. So, but it was just, you know, I, the, the, the rest of our relationship, we really weren't like that. We were more of like a frozen pizza kind of couple, but at that point it went from the hunt just continued. Right. And it was like, he had me at that point, but he had to keep me now. And so it was like, what can I do to like keep this woman? And the more time that like the more books that I read and the more time I spend in therapy, I begin to learn what exactly it was that he was doing. And now that I know him and I see him for who he is and you know, even though I haven't spoken to him in months, all of these things are coming out that I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, I think that he knew. <laughs> I know that he knew that if he had been himself, I never would have looked in his direction. I never would have, if the situation had been different and I was not abandoned by my father and not sexually rejected from my boyfriend that I wouldn't have looked at him. Th a lot of people, this is going to be really bad. I'm just, I'm going to say it. I have heard from a lot of people that I was out of his league, but I truly also believe that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. 
and that it's not always about the way that you look. I think that you need to be attracted to someone, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that person has to be attractive. Um, I my favorite so far. Someone just recently told me that they thought he looks like a weasel, and I don't. I just like I just thought that that's that's really funny. But aside from that, <sighs> I'm educated. He's not. I have a very strong faith. He doesn't. I'm not saying I'm better than him. I understand that that's what that sounds like. But I just don't. And I was I was 20 years old. This man was, you know, well, at this point, 21. Okay, I'm 21 years old. The world is at my feet. And this man is a, you know, associate manager for a retail store, divorced, two children. It was not an equal relationship, right? And I think that he knew that. And I think he knew that he had to do whatever he could to keep me around. And so it started as as a emotional support. Oh, your boyfriend may be gay, but I had this sex dream about you. Oh, tell me about what happened with your dad. Tell me about, you know, your hopes and your dreams and all of this shit, right? And then once he got me, it was, let me buy you expensive bottles of wine and take you for dinner. And something that I, like something, two things that really still ring true to me in my head are the trash and the dog shit. Those were two things I was not allowed to touch. So at, at this point, and this is, you know, through, I'm not saying this is the, in the beginning of the relationship. You know, maybe at this point we've been together six months. We've been together a year. I couldn't possibly tell you. But um, if I would eat dinner at his house, if he would have me over for dinner, I, I couldn't take out the trash. He would not let me take out the trash. And it was... It wasn't just like a gentlemanly, no, 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 I got it. It was like he took my hands in his hands as if they were precious jewels. No, don't do that. I got it. I don't want you to touch that. Ew. But at the time, I'm 21 and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing. This, I was so special and so perfect that I couldn't touch the trash. It's kind of sick now, but at the time it was it was enduring and it was sweet and it was sexy and it was amazing. And then the dogs. He had two dogs. I have Nala. And you know, if I would spend the night at his house, we would um when he separated, he gave his uh, wife the house and moved into uh, an apartment and we would walk the dogs around and even if it was Nala that took a shit he picked it up and I would go and he'd be like no 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 don't do that don't do that I don't want you to do that and it was like I was like you holding my hands out in front of me right now you guys can't see me but it was like my hands were too precious to touch anything so vile and so disgusting and it was like I was just this all-perfect creature. And that would be amazing for someone who was raised, you know, in a good, healthy, 
affirmative environment. But from someone who wasn't, and then for someone who went on to be sexually rejected from a man for over a year, it was the most incredible feeling. Like really just ridiculously euphoric. And he knew. He knew what he was doing. I couldn't do the dishes. I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. I didn't do anything. I didn't pay for a single thing. Granted, of course, like, you know, he's making $75,000 a year. I'm a full-time college student and part-time bartender. So, you know, of course he's making more money than me, but I didn't pay for a dime. And we moved in together about a year after we started dating. I didn't pay for anything then. Nothing. Literally nothing. Like he would buy Nala's dog food even before I, before I could buy it. Before I even knew that I needed it, he was buying it. I am a, I'm, I am a psycho about my hygiene and I shower at least once a day, sometimes twice, brush my teeth three to four times, but I never wash my hair. I'm a fucking gremlin and I wash my hair as little as possible. <laughs> so because of that, I use shower caps. Um, and he would buy me shower caps before I knew that I needed shower caps. And I would wake up in the morning and there would be a beautiful bouquet of flowers by my bed and I would wake up and there would be a gift here and a gift there and breakfast burritos strawberry glazed donuts the first year and a half was bliss I was living the fucking dream oh my god living the dream anytime I had a, you know, at, at this time, things are very, very, very rough between my father, my stepmother, and myself. And they had been for, what, at this point, 16, so five, five and a half years. Um, and it was touch and go, but during this time, right when I moved in with Ryan, it was, there was a very severe flare up. And I used to come and talk to him and he was... I understand. I I totally get it. And everything that I said, he agreed with. Whatever I wanted to watch, he wanted to watch. Whatever I wanted to eat, he wanted to eat. Wine. So much wine. It was so much good wine. It was like he would buy me these like um, um, just great bottles of wine and take Nala out when I needed it. You know, let me sleep. Let me wipe off your car. Let me go get you gas. Let me do all of this stuff. You know, there's the five love languages, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, and acts of service. He was all of them. And I felt like queen doesn't even describe it. The word, like, he had me up on a pedestal that doesn't even describe it. It was like, I can't, I, but I loved it. I loved it. And then one day it stopped. 
It was about a year and a half in. We had been living together for maybe three months, three, four months. And at this point, his ex-wife had decided that she wanted to move out of their house that they built their life in. And um, he, they were going to sell it, you know, split the money. And one day we're sitting on the couch and he's like, yeah, we're going to put it up, put the house up for sale, you know, unless, and I look at him and I'm like, unless, and he's like, well, you know, it would be nice to be able to go back there. And I'm like, (laughs) what you are, what do you mean? It would be nice to go back there. He's like, well, she really doesn't want to live there. And it would be really nice for the kids if they could remain in their childhood home. And I immediately, I'm just like, oh, okay. But it was like, I, I didn't see any chance, you guys. Like, at this point, he was giving me the world, the world. We had gone on a couple trips at this point. I hadn't paid for a thing constant words of affirmation, constant physical touch. The sex was amazing. Constant acts of service, gifts on gifts on gifts. You got me an $800 handbag. And what was I, what was I supposed to do? So I'm like, well, let me see the house. So we go and we see the house and I'm so uncomfortable with this idea. I'm like, I don't want to live in the home where you brought your first child home, conceived your second child, brought that second child home, your marriage ended, all of these good memories, all of these horrible memories for you. I don't want to live here. But I didn't say any of that because he had already given me the world. So this was the least I could do. So we we begin the moving process and... You know, it was, she left and the, the house was a disaster. Shout out, homegirl, but you're a fucking pig. And so there was, you know, professional cleaning that needed to be done. He wanted to redo the bathrooms, you know, whatever. I painted that whole fucking house by myself. And while he redid the bathrooms, I painted that whole fucking house, scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed because I'm a psycho. So the professionals didn't do a good enough job ofs. So I did more. And it, we were in the transition period and we were, we were still sleeping at the apartment, but moving our stuff into the home. And one night we were, we were getting ready to go to bed and he started, you know, messing with me. You know, he wanted to get lucky you know, kind of started to to joke around with me, poke at me, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that you do when you want to have sex with your partner. And ladies or men who wear makeup, you know, at the end of the day, when you're wearing a lot of makeup, you just want to get it off of your face. By the end of the day, if you've worn it all day, you just feel dirty, right? So I, I tell him, wait, can you wait just like five minutes? I just want to wash my face. I feel so gross. Like, I think at this point I had just gotten back from work and I was a bartender, right? And so it's like, ew, 
you know? So I, I was like, I just, let me wash my face. Like, I just want to wash my face. I feel so gross. Let me just wash my face and I'll be right back. And he, you know, he, he's we're, This goes, we go back and forth on this at this point. We are laying on the bed, but nothing has happened yet. He's just like trying, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I cannot be in this moment with you until I wash my face. I feel so disgusting. I've had makeup on my face all day. I have beer on my face. Probably people spit from when they order across the bar or whatever. And I'm like, I just, you know, grease from the food. I'm like, I just need to wash my face. Let me just wash my face. And after a year and a half of the most amazing words of affirmation and being built up, constantly, constantly built up, he says to me the following. So picture this, just to set this up. I'm, we're in a vulnerable spot. We're laying on the bed. He's laying on top of me. Okay. We're still both fully clothed, but I'm at his mercy. He's laying on top of me. And at the time I was very thin. So, you know, he had his, his body weight on me. It's, you know, a, a, a moment of seduction. And I'm just begging him, please let me take my makeup off. And then we can go into this, whatever. And he looks at me. He looks at me right in the eye and he goes, I don't want you to take your makeup off because I like to fuck you better with it on. Don't make yourself more comfortable to have sex with me because I just want to look at you and find you more enjoyable to the eye while I fuck you. To quote the wisdom of a Miss Alexandra Cooper from Call Her Daddy, he may as well have just said, you're just a whole bitch. And that was the first verbally abusive thing that he ever said to me. Now you're probably thinking, oh, did you like stop and, you know, go take off? No. I let him fuck me. And I say that with very pure intention because although I, I was consensual, I didn't say no. I let him fuck me because there was no part of me fucking him. And I remember afterwards, I, I got up and I went and I, I t- finally took off my makeup. And I remember thinking, Megan, you should probably go. That was not okay. That was not okay. And over time, I've had, I've talked to many people about this, you know, therapists, friends, and, and I've heard, I want to say twice that perhaps he just was so in the mood that he didn't want to wait. And he thought maybe if I went and took off my makeup that I would come back and not want to, I didn't want to then either, but I felt like a sex doll at that moment. I felt like an object. I felt like a hole that he was just looking to stick it in, get in, get off, get out. That was 2014. That was two, four, uh, two years in. 
That was two years in to the toxic, vicious cycle of my relationship with Riley. And that was the first thing that he said to me. And I knew in my core, 22 years old, I knew that what he had just said to me was not okay and that I needed to go, but I didn't. And I think I've spent so much time thinking about after all, after a year and a half of being built up, why in that moment did he decide to begin the teardown process? Why was it that moment? And the only thing that I can think of is that because I gave in and I agreed to go move into his house, and at this point I had spent maybe, I don't know, a month and a half cleaning and painting, that maybe he just knew. (laughs) I've got her. She's not going anywhere. I have her. So I can do whatever the fuck I want. And you know what? He was right. He had me. He had me. He had hunted me so hard in the beginning. And it wasn't just the beginning. He hunted me for two years at that point. And then one day, the switch flipped. That night, when he looked at me in the eye and said, don't take your makeup off, I want to fuck you with it on. I like to fuck you better with it on, with your face painted. Because you're prettier that way. He didn't say that. He said, don't take your makeup off. I like to fuck you better with it on. Those were his exact words. But I'm alluding. He knew that he had me. And he knew that he could switch. And that was that. That was in October of 2014. And I was fucked. Fucked.